0: With your host, Kevin McDonald, coming up.
1: NBC News Radio, I'm Brian Shook. People in Jackson, Mississippi, are taking shelter after a tornado touched down just south of the city. There are no reports yet of injuries or damage. Parts of Arkansas, Illinois, Tennessee, and Missouri are all under tornado warnings as a strong storm system rumbles through the south. Forecasters warn these severe storms will bring dangerous winds, tornadoes, large hail, and heavy rain. President Biden says he will try to meet with the parents of Trevor Reed, a former U.S. Marine imprisoned in Russia. Reed's parents have been pro testing outside the White House and his mother Paula gave an update on his condition. He was
2: at the hospital for 10 days. They didn't give him any treatment and he says that they x-rayed the wrong part of his chest. He has a rib or something sticking out and he's coughing up blood and so we do think that he does have an active case of TB.
1: Reporters pressed Biden and he said his staff is trying to work out a meeting. He called Reed's parents good people. Reed has been imprisoned in Russia since 2019 after a night out drinking. He allegedly attacked two Russian police officers and was sent To nine years in prison. A Connecticut judge is finding far right talk show host Alex Jones in contempt of court. The judge also imposed a fine of $50,000 per day for what she described as Jones' willful violation that he submit to getting his testimony on the record. The conspiracy theorist had already missed two depositions requested by families of victims of the Sandy Hook school shooting. A report says an online threat was made against the judge and attorneys in the case involving an alleged plot to kidnap Michigan's governor. Lisa Taylor reports.
3: WWMT says the U.S. Marshal's Office has already neutralized the threat. The nature of the threat or information about those responsible has not been disclosed. Prosecutors have wrapped up their case against the four men accused of plotting to kidnap Democrat Gretchen Whitmer. The defense is now
1: presenting their case in federal court in Grand Rapids. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio.
4: For 35 years, Co Pet Clinic has provided comprehensive care for the animals of people in need. Funded by donations and powered by volunteers, Co Pet Clinics keeps overhead to a minimum to ensure healing is at a maximum. Please join Team Co and make a difference in the lives of people and their animals. Volunteer or donate today. Co Pet Clinic. Log into donico.org That's D-O-N-E-Y-C-O-E dot org.
0: Time now for a quick look at our KKNW weather outlook. Looks like tonight we'll see more showers and a low around 40 for our Thursday, partly sunny with a high near 52 and a low around 41. Friday, mostly cloudy, high near 52, low around 43. Saturday, mostly cloudy, high near 55, low around 42. Rain likely for Sunday.
1: The views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of KKNW, its management, or other advertisers. This program is sponsored by KM Radio Productions, LLC.
2: The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present... Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you. As together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us. To be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. And welcome everybody to this special, special episode of Positive Talk Radio. I'm glad that you're here. We're going to have a great time for this hour. We're going to be talking about, I'll stay sit at the top and then we'll get into it. biomimicry. And if you haven't heard that term, you're going to hear that a lot during this course of this hour. But first...
0: I have to talk to Eric. Derek, how are you today, sir? Hey, Kevin. I'm doing well.
2: And I want to ask you a question because sure. people cannot see us. They're just listening to us. Which one of us is better looking, Rob or me? Uh,
0: Rob is one of your guests today. And, uh, uh, yeah, folks can't see this, but you guys are doppelgangers. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hard to t- t- I... tell you apart. The Zoom background <laughs> <Yeah>. helps, but... <laughs>
2: The, the, the first time that I interviewed Rob, it was really creepy because it was like I was talking to myself. <laughs> the, the, the entire Thanks, time.
5: Kevin. I appreciate knowing that the first time we met each other, it was creepy. Well, okay. It, <laughs> it,
2: it wasn't you. It was the, I the concept of I, I didn't think that there were two faces made for radio quite as good as us, but apparently apparently we are
0: and you both have a similar sense of humor too so you know they're like brothers from another mother
2: (laughs) well we don't know that well Well. never mind i'm not gonna go (laughs) wow another show (laughs) that's it and uh, we're also joined by uh a a good friend of the show and she works on the show as a matter of fact her name is holly berry and she's on the phone with us holly how are you
4: hello i'm wonderful (laughs)
2: Yes, you are, and I wanted you Aww. to ten, to talk at the top of the show because you introduced us to uh, Lexa Morey and biomimicry. I'd never heard of it before until you did some research on it. Tell us about how you found her and biomimicry and uh, invited them to the show.
4: I'd be happy to. Yeah it was a it was a fun accidental discovery. So researching things related to um, my studio's name, which is a natural design. And so um, the YouTube came up with the founder of biomimicry who actually wrote a book on it. And it just sounded so interesting. So I watched a YouTube where she explained how the book came to be, how the word biomimicry came to be, and then it's now turned into a whole institute which lex will be able to tell people a lot more about but yeah just the the name alone biomimicry you instantly are super like when i heard it and probably the listeners right now super curious like what is that
2: exactly so so uh you get the opportunity to ask lex the first question how about that
4: i would love to i would like lex to tell our listeners about what they call well maybe define biomimicry for people first and then maybe talk about what on the Institute's website they call the three seeds of biomimicry.
2: And with that, I will uh, introduce Lexa More. She's the communications director for Biomimicry. She lives in a really lousy part of the world in Maui, Hawaii, and <laughs> and so it's it's great, it's great to have you here. And uh, and so go ahead, answer that question if you can remember it after long, so long.
3: <laughs> it is a pleasure to be here. Aloha, everyone. Uh, yeah, Holly, I'm so glad that you found us and it is something that I've been very passionate about bringing to the world. So I'm very excited to bring it to the Seattle community, even though I know there are a lot of people in the area that already know what this is. So for those that don't, biomimicry is the concept where we are looking to, mimic the way that life has evolved. And we use it to make better designs. We use it to basically perceive the entire world as if we are nature ourselves, because we are. And so when we're talking about the three elements of biomimicry, it's they break down into these parts because really to make something truly creating conditions conducive to life they have to hit these three marks so the first is the emulation part and that's where we're literally talking about biology has created this amazing strategy and we're going to replicate that strategy in our design. The next part is reconnect, and that's basically saying that we are animals, we are a part of the natural world, and we can actually find a lot of healing practices by just going back into the natural world and looking at ourselves as one with this earth and how deeply interconnected we all are. And the last one, which is incredibly important because you can mimic design strategies inspired by nature, but actually create harmful side effects. So this is our ethos component and it's our moral responsibility, our obligation to serve in a way that is in fact creating conditions conducive to life. So when you have these three elements that are embedded in a design or a process, or just really the way that you're looking at life, that's what we call biomimicry.
2: And, Rob, I'd like to welcome you to the show, your first time on KKNW, and I appreciate that. And and do you have a question for uh, for Lex?
5: Yeah. I'm Lex, I, I, I love this whole concept. Um, been looking at, you know, we keep trying to reinvent the wheel, I think is what's going on. And sometimes we need to look a little closer to home. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So some of our systems we need to fall back on, Do you think we're getting so caught up in technology that we feel we have to find a scientifically better way rather than sometimes regressing and saying, how did the whales do it? You know?
3: That's a great question. And one of the things, and the first thing that comes to my mind is when we're talking about looking at, let's say, indigenous practices, or if you want to call it, going back even though there are still cultures that are practicing this way today going back to some ways of behaving in this world does not actually mean that we're going backwards in our evolution there's a way that we have created such amazing technologies in this world and humans are incredibly clever and i think it's worth celebrating a lot of the the ways that we've been able to connect around the world and just some of the innovations that have happened the challenge is we made some designs that had unintended consequences and so it's just about looking at where we may have misstepped and now finding the right kinds of approaches that we can use the technology that we've advanced today and and solve the problems that we've put out into the world, like plastic pollution, for example. There's ways that we can use a lot of the advanced technology to capture and collect this kind of results that we've made from some of our designs Uh, But I think one of the things that I I like to separate the concept of biomimicry as this methodology, like it is a relatively new approach in terms of the the framework that we've used. Janine Benes coined the term in 1997 when she wrote her first book. And it's crazy to think it's been 25 years since then. And the concept, though, while we've created this you know, design methodology where you can go and you can actually go step by step to scope and discover and learn from nature and then evaluate those kinds of solutions that you're creating. The concept of asking nature is not new. This has been something that's been going on as long as humans have been around. And so if we're able to figure out a way to bridge both what has been done really well from the past or even looking into indigenous cultures that are still practicing them right now and merge some of the new technology that we can use, I think that we'd actually be better off going forward from here.
2: Holly, question?
4: Yeah, yeah, well one of the things that I noticed on their website was that biomimicry is helping entrepreneurs innovate new technologies and one of the ways they do that is with what they call a Ray of Hope. Um is it a sponsorship or like a um grant?
3: Yeah, it's called, uh, so it's called the Ray of Hope Prize and it's we call it a program because while it's named a prize Yes, the $100,000 grand prize is shiny and it's amazing. And it can actually help a lot of startups that are working to bring their nature inspired designs to the marketplace. It helps them a lot, but it's also a 10 week virtual program where we're giving them the tools to be able to connect with investors and recruit the right kind of staff and talent and being able to refine their science communications and their messaging for what they're actually trying to bring to the world and with this group of like about 10 that we usually uh bring out every year and these they do get uh judged at the end and there is this a, a winner that gets the $100,000 prize but then there's also a runner up that gets some money and then everyone that participates in the program though does get some funding to to move ahead but It's insane. The kinds of companies that have come through this from a water purification device that's inspired by like aquaporins, they've proved to be 100 times more efficient than current technology, all the way to high performance environmentally sensitive concrete products that are inspired by and designed for marine infrastructure. Or one of my favorites is it's a company called Biome. They actually work with nature to turn waste streams into high performance construction materials. So these circular construction systems mimic the design of carbon molecules and their local manufacturing strategy is actually inspired by the distributed mycelial networks, which are those fruiting root mushroom components, and they're attuned to the local supply chain. So there's really amazing ideas that come out of this. So as the organization, we help startups basically escape that you know startup valley of death so that we can bring more nature-inspired products to the marketplace.
2: Rob, I saw you chomping at the bit to ask a question.
3: Yeah. So
5: where does this fit? I Because I've got a word in my head, and I don't want to say it because I, I don't think it quite fits. But, you know, reverse engineering, I guess that's two words, um, Florida math. Um, it's one of those things where um, where would this fit with, like, medical? Is this because you know, it seems like we're in this huge crush to get everybody on something. And now we're rushing to get them off. And having worked in addictions, I watched the huge surge of getting people off of opiates that left a bunch of people hanging in withdrawals and, 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 and they didn't. F- it's kind of like what you're talking about. Where does this fit in the medical world? Do you think does this has a, a Does it have a
3: place in medicine? Absolutely. It may sound grandiose to say, but biomimicry has a place in every industry. It's literally everything that we could possibly touch and interact with. You can study nature and improve the efficiency and the resources that are going into anything. So for the medical industry, for example, there's a few companies that have already brought things to market from sharklet technologies they have a shark skin inspired they actually use because on on sharks if you notice like they're very smooth looking. And they don't actually, you know, they don't have uh, films, biofilms or like bacteria. You compare it to like a sea turtle, for example, that's covered in all kinds of things because they're slower moving. And the things about sharks is, you know, they have to be able to move fairly quickly. And so when you go down to the microscopic level, there's these little patterns that is in their skin and it actually deters bacteria from forming on the surface so sharklet has used this from everything from catheters to um being able to put things on like rails for uh hospitals that you're walking through or even most recently they launched like yoga mats and baby products that can be easier to clean and ward off bacteria there's also um a lot of Approaches looking for um, behavior that is that's coming on the other side of where we can learn how. The thing about biomimicry is you're you have this problem. So let's say that we're looking at addiction, for example. How does nature adapt behavior? And so it's really just looking at that lens to say, what can we talk about from the beginning before we design anything, before we implement any kind of process what are the side effects that are going to happen from this? How, what are the the things that we can look at from the bigger perspective of what's really happening here and design everything that we're doing in a way that is going to, I, I'm going to say it a lot, create conditions conducive to life because really that's what we're trying to support here is life positive, nature positive design. So it is, it's going to affect the medical industry. It can affect um, on a different side, if we're not talking about the industry itself, I think that there's an aspect of the reconnect element where there's countless studies that are saying that if you just go out into a natural world, the benefits of the healing that happens, I mean, there's a significant difference if you're walking down the streets of downtown Seattle versus you go out into the forest right outside the city, what happens to your heart rate? What happens to your stress levels, your cortisol, your the dopamine and serotonin that is just pumped through your blood? Like there is completely different, reaction that happens to the human body when you get out into the natural world and there's something to say about that and so some people are trying to design buildings for example by bringing nature in and that's using nature as this kind of biophilic kind of you know relationship that we have and that that's a great step in the right direction uh, because if we've created these walls around us that have separated us we literally call it going outside and there's some challenges that I face in terms of what happens when people don't have access to nature safely and how do you educate younger audiences for example to if they can't get out into a park nearby and so we have to get really creative and go back to like humans are alive our entire micro gut biome is you know alive and we can learn from it and how do you learn from you know the pads on your dog or that fern that's sitting in your window there's ways to get creative but really it comes down to our health will benefit if we find that home and that healing in the natural world
2: holly
0: <laughs>
3: So I can't stay after this, but
4: I definitely would love to hear um, not only about the founder, it looks like Janine Benyus, and you can pronounce it correctly for the listeners, but also about the Youth Design Challenge, because this isn't just for adults.
3: Yes, I love that. And you pronounced it right. You were were good with that. So (laughs) Janine is... An amazing human. I can't even begin to she she's changed so many lives by introducing this kinds of concept. She's a biologist by trade. She introduced this kinds of thinking where it has, it has transformed an entire movement. And so there's on the consulting side, there are practicing biomimics out in the world. And then there's also obviously the nonprofit that I work with where we're furthering education. And I came across biomimicry after years of climate grief, and I I found this one video that from Dana Baumeister, who works really closely with Janine and started um, the consultancy, our sister organization, Biomimicry 3.8, and when I first learned about this concept, it just changed my entire life. I found hope for the first time. I found that there's a way to act. There's a way to get ourselves out of this mess while also finding peace in the moment, knowing that we would love to have everything transformed, you know, back in the seventies when Rachel wrote the silent Springs article, you know, if we had that kind of guidance and we we've changed the way that we were doing it, then we all would like to go back and make all these decisions. Well, Time ago, but we can't. So biomimicry is this. Like, let's look at the context that we're working with right now. What's the problem right in front of us that we can have an actionable effect on and solve for it? And so, part of what we're doing with the organization is try to bring that to young people. I mean, I would have been, it, my life would have been completely changed if, at a young age, someone would have said. Hey, you're an imperfect animal, and you fit in on this Earth. Just be, you're enough because you are a biological specimen. Congratulations, welcome to Earth. And then gave me critical thinking skills to actually design in ways that were supporting all life on Earth. And so that's what we're we're trying to do. And through our Youth Design Challenge, we basically give teachers the supplies that they need to teach their kids. So it's a curriculum, it's STEM-based, it aligns with national science standards, and we're trying to help them out. And at the end of the program, the kids actually get to put together an actual product, or they go through a process, or they create some kind of design that they go, even if you're prototyping, it's amazing. And what they come up with, it's just it's insane. It's so inspiring. Like there was this one high school team that came out. Um, they were in Maine. They created a building material that was inspired by the Morpho butterfly. And the butterfly can basically the way that it works is that uses um, structural color for it's like no pigments, no dyes. But the way that their wings can absorb or reflect heat, they depend on the temperature. And so they called it the morpho brick, and they designed it as a response to heating and cooling systems around the world being responsible for you know, significant amounts of greenhouse gas emissions. And so this design concept allows buildings to regulate their temperatures efficiently by either absorbing or reflecting the solar radiation, and all from the nanostructures that are found on these wings of the butterflies. Another really cool example is, you know, we we talk a lot about renewable energy and solar panels, wind turbines, but the technology actually needs some improvements, we haven't perfected what we have not just from the material sourcing but how they actually function. And so solar panels don't always work really well when they overheat which can be a challenge when they obviously need direct sunlight to source energy. So a group of middle schoolers, we're talking 7th through and 8th graders from Georgia, designed the ADAPTO panel. And it, it, in theory, it would regulate how much light enters the panel using a smart glass and a temperature sensor. So it's partly inspired by leaves, but also the oriental hornet which offers uh, functions that can be mimicked to increase light capture and a shape to increase the space efficiency. But we've had countless examples from preventing drag-inducing frost, from building up on wind turbine lanes, uh, which is a concept born from a young group out of Canada, There's a maple seed inspired device created by a middle school team in California that combats deforestation by making it easier to replant trees. And a a mangrove and coral reef inspired device to protect coastlines against storm surges from a team out of Japan. These are international groups of students coming through this program. And there was actually in 2019, we had a homeschool group out of Edmonds, Washington that created a Basically, it's called, their team was called Roof Flection, and they wanted to help communities decrease the urban heat island effect and reduce the need for air conditioning. So they took inspiration from the highly reflective hairs on the Saharan silver ant, and they came up with a system to retrofit existing buildings with this retractable curved panels that reflect sunlight off of roofs. They developed the concept. They Pursued further research and then they even consulted with a local architect to improve on their design. This is just, it blows my mind and coming back to hope and positivity, the fact that these are our next generation that are solving these kinds of challenges, it's incredibly inspiring.
2: And you know Holly I know that you've got to go but I just wanted to thank you for checking in with us and for bringing uh, uh Lexa More and uh biomimicry to the show it's pretty pretty cool don't you think And apparently she's gone <laughs> <laughs> She said
5: I was like oh you're setting this up
2: you know. <laughs> yet those things happen i by by the way i just want to give everybody a bit of a history lesson because you know we entered the industrial age somewhere in the 1800s and over the last 150 160 years we have quite literally changed everything about our planet in in 1860 18 there was no such thing as plastics uh, plastic straws or or disposable stuff like we have that we're filling our landfills with so all of this stuff that we've been doing has been in the last 130, 140 years and to be sure all of it was designed for our betterment to make it easier for us to live to we can go drive faster in cars we could do but now we have found that the unintended consequences of what we've been doing is not sustainable anymore so it's important for us to do this. Rob, what do you think?
5: Well, you and I will remember Lex wasn't even a <laughs> thought yet. Okay. Um the ads about when it was all we went from pl- uh paper bags to save the Brazilian rainforest. Remember all that? Oh, that yeah, big push and everything. That's how plastic bags. Kevin and I saw the birth of the plastic bag in our, in our lifetime because there were the thought behind it was save the Brazilian rainforest. There were some of us, and I find it fascinating Lex that you're talking about the way children think, because we weren't that old when it happened, but we were enough to realize what was going on and and see the ads. There was this huge push, you know? Um, But there was some young people and nobody would listen to them about, well, we can replant trees, you know, but it was just quicker and easier. And I'm afraid that's become our downfall. Let's go to the hot button, fix it, rather than stopping and, and think things through. I, I, it's a shame. I think America has come to ready, fire, aim. And I think the biomimicry is aiming. I think it's saying going back and taking this over, I, I, I'm fascinated by it. I just recently got introduced to uh, people talking about redox, our redox, the system in, in in us for cellular regeneration or whatnot. And there's products out there that's not trying to replace it. They're actually trying to refire it up in old people, you know, and and so I can't wait to give some of this shot because it, it reminds me of. the the biomimicry you're talking about what worked what was working when we were younger why isn't it working now and rather than i i don't know i just things have happened so much like kevin said we kind of have our own selves to blame but somewhere we got to go what's going on
2: you know and yeah. And that's and that's why when Lex was talking about the fact that she was in um, climate uh, morning because because she was seeing the effects of climate change and what it was working and and there was a period of time when we did not see any way out. But you know, I think with groups like yours and and others that are working to make positive change and using technology not un- un- eliminating it but using it right. for a much better purpose and a much more evolved purpose that we can now we can now do so you know the, the gospel according to gene roddenberry says that nobody's gonna have to work in the 23rd century because we're all going to be free to do whatever we want to because everything's going to be automated and nobody's going to have to and and the, the earth is going to be sustainable and everything's going to be uh the way it should be do you see that as our future
3: I would love to hope for us to get to a place where we can actually be sustainable. I think right now, even the sustainability movement is really not in the direction, as a term, like William McDonough, he coined um, and brought cradle to cradle to the world. And he always says, you know, would you, would you call your marriage sustainable? (laughs) Really, it was like—is that what you want? This really yeah, just
5: that one, yes. the one, no.
3: <laughs> so, so <laughs> really, what funny. we're talking about here? There's another. There's a great graph from Don Smith. He's a soil um, activist, and he helped with uh, "Kiss the Ground" and and bringing this kind of science, soil science, to uh, the way that we're doing farming. And he has this graph where it goes, it goes up because what we need is not just to be sustaining horizontal; we have to go up first and be regenerative. We have to get to a place where we've got some kind of equilibrium going on in our ecosystems because where we've been right now, we're we're affecting still too much on the negative side for balance to come back. And so when we get to a place where we're in a stabilized ecosystem, then we can be sustainable. That's fine to do it then. But right now, we've got to clean up some things. And it's, it's interesting timing because Rob, you also mentioned something that stood out in terms of slowing down. Like there's, we are quick to act as humans. We jump into things so quickly and we don't always know the the effects of what's going to happen. And so it's, there's this, I think that there's this transformation happening right now. And, you know, I would never want to say that COVID was a positive thing, acknowledging the lives and the people that have been affected by it and the fear, and just it's an awful thing that I know has right where
5: you're going, and I'm with you.
3: At the same time, it forced us to pause, it forced us to slow down, and we got to see ecosystems what happens when humans aren't around. We also got to see what happens when you're forced to stay at home. There's a different kind of perspective that came out of it, and part of it was kind of going back to how nature there's organisms that hibernate there's what when was the day that we used to actually rest where it wasn't we shifted our entire time zones where we actually changed the time to be able to work more like this is insanity if we get back to the natural world and are able to look at what does balance really look like i think truly if we look at every human had the Ability to look at their own impact and see how their lives are being affected and then start to make decisions that are more supportive for their well-being, we'd be in a much better off place. And when it comes to like where we're headed, we're finally having conversations about mental health. And being able to embrace some concepts that are were forbidden for so long, you couldn't be a human in the work environment. And now with COVID, you're getting to see people's, you know, they've got kids that they're holding that are crying. They've got their dogs barking. They got all these life things happening where we're finally getting into a natural state. So what I hope from now, and we talk about this when it comes to biomimicry, 20 years from now, I don't want biomimicry to be a term. I want it to be just good design. This is what we're just talking about. This is how we're living. We're living in natural systems. But biomimicry is our pathway to get there. And it's a a path to educate ourselves and to improve not just our products and our designs, the way that we design our cities, but it's also how we relate to the natural world, where we fit in, how we are, again, imperfect animals.
5: And and you know what? The, The fact that you just mentioned mental health, Uh, you know, I have a master's in social work and we just got done with a show with somebody talking about how people are just throwing darts at mental health. They're doing an appearance. The government is doing an appearance of trying to make it better, but it's really not. The insurance companies, our mental health has a whole lot to be designed. And I think you hit on something there that is very, very near and dear to my heart we let our different belief systems about spirituality, religion, whatnot, affect us in being able to use biomimicry. And I know right now there's a big study being done with psychedelic mushrooms to help people with schizophrenia. But all of the work, when it started, had to be done outside of the United States Because God forbid we bring up the idea in the U.S. that psychedelic mushrooms might actually be helpful. You know, I'm not saying everybody needs to go out and and grab some, but we have to open our mind and get back to there are other ways rather than artificially producing substances that have their own side effects that are causing more problems than what the initial health problem was. Does that make sense? Did I get that out right?
3: Yeah, I mean, you're, you're touching on a couple of different points here on one, and we're talking about changing perspective. And that is key, like whatever is going to help you be able to look at the world in a different way, look at your own lives, look at how you're, you're functioning in this world. If you can have a different lens to see out of, it's going to be literally monumental in in making impacts for the rest of the community you're also talking about interconnectedness you're talking about the differences of how way we, we can merge these and two quotes come to mind that have always stuck with me wendell berry said the earth is what we ha- all have in common and walt whitman says be curious not judgmental if we can merge these kinds of thoughts together and recognize that we we are allowed to have different beliefs we don't have to see eye to eye on everything but where can we find that bridge of humanity and knowing that we share this earth we share this community we share this this place together and everything that we do affects the environment around us not i'm not talking even just about natural environment it energy that is connected between humans and other life like we are all interconnected and if we start embracing that kind of thought, wherever it may be, I feel like there will be so much more acceptance and collaboration and love in the world.
5: We will throw our own species under the bus to get what we want or what we, what we believe in. You know, on my show, Tarot with an Attitude on YouTube, one of the things I talk about, what the world needs is to be able to start listening to understand rather than listening to respond. And that's what I hear you saying. We have to start listening to each other and we listen to new ideas, new concepts. So that 20 years from now, you know, cars that are getting five miles to the, to that's the wrong term but they're 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 sleek they're that because we've studied the way a jellyfish moves you know that it it's able air is slipping by it different things that we just don't you know we don't even conceive of it right now it's just too easy to keep repeating this cycle mm-hmm. and that and, disturbs me right
3: mm-hmm. and there's this one aspect of what Jeanina says is you, know, you quiet your human cleverness to when you start looking at the world in this way, but then you do get to bring it back out when you start to create some solutions here. But first, let's quiet what we think we know so that we have the opportunity to actually learn.
2: Now, in, in the work that you're doing, the one thing that, that uh, I, I believe to be our biggest problem is the connection of money and cheap energy and pharmaceuticals. And how people are making uh, a lot of money doing these things that we are going to have to. At one point, don't you think that they're going to have to say enough is enough that we are going to work for the betterment of the planet rather than our pocket?
3: Oh, I would (laughs) love to think that. Don't get Um, me wrong. I am very optimistic and hopeful for humanity, but no, I don't think that ultimately they're just going to come to their senses. I think that the CEO of that corporation is going to have a granddaughter that lives near an area that is being affecting their health. I think that they're going to either have to have, they're going to run out of these materials. We're going to run out of oil. This is going to happen. They are going to be forced, but the amazing humans that know better and that are actually evolving intelligently are already realizing that you can actually save money and be create more efficient processes and have materials that they can actually get more of a return back if they start integrating these processes. I mean, Microsoft just hired a director of biomimicry. That is huge to be able to make those kinds of impacts for their data centers. They're working with um, different ways to optimize the way that they are performing throughout their organization. And that's just one company. Even let's say like the, um, you know, there's a local example for anyone who wants to go and see this in action the bullet center is actually the design was inspired by a douglas fir tree and they use the tree's characteristics in the building such as like incorporating efficient energy and water processes but the way that we're talking about this is how can we start looking at the long-term effects rather than just short-term gains and so if we're able to think about how yeah photovoltaic panels are going to be expensive at First, but then you're going to save a lot of money when you put them down the road. And this, um, the Bullet Center, for example, they actually they built them like a tree canopy, so they capture more energy than the building actually uses in the summertime. And that same building soaks up rainwater, it stores it, and uses the water. That's one of the challenges that we face: is what we call natural resources aren't really expensive for corporations. They don't; they're not paying. Nestle isn't paying for water, they are creating plastic to hold water. And that is a fundamental challenge that we have to overcome. So I think that everyone has a role to play. And it's not just going to be the corporation's goodwill that they want to come out of it. The consumers have to demand that they want something better, and they have to educate themselves. But it's not just on them. The brands themselves have to listen that if they want to attract young and up-and-coming staff that is productive, and that they actually want to be part of a purpose filled organization. They're going to have to change their ways because people are starting to pay attention and listen. At the same time, these corporations, they are going to have to change their ways as well because they are going to run into very huge issues with these material sourcing. And at the same time, I do feel like government and legislature has to put some kind of backing of recognizing that we should have to pay for water and be able to hold people accountable it's there's a place and a time for government to get involved and i think that by regulating some of these aspects and having it being a transparent forum for what's really affecting our communities it's everyone has to step up and do something but no i don't Did think you that say
5: we anything. should or shouldn't be paying for water
3: i think that we should be even if it's To local communities, if it's restoring the ecosystem habitats, I don't think that you should be able to go to a stream and then just source it to be bottled in a bunch of different containers that they can then pay.
5: Because most of it, I was like, well, I'm paying a water bill. So that's why I wanted to make sure I knew what you were talking about. We're talking about corporations
3: selling water. They're not selling water, they're selling plastic water bottles. And I think as a human right, we should all have access to clean drinking water. So whatever we can, how, how can we support these systems? But again, that's slowing down, stepping back and saying, what are the problem areas and how can we solve at every level? Because it is, these are wicked challenges, meaning that they have all different types of aspects that are going to need to be looked at. It's not just a Let's just incorporate biomimicry and it's going to solve everything. That literally is just saying we need to look at everything the way that we're doing and assessing it against how it's affecting local environments and the ecosystems that are affected by those local environments. Coming again back to the interconnectedness.
2: And, and you're right. In many cases, it's a matter of dollars and cents. There is somebody driving probably more than one somebody driving around the streets of Seattle that every t- in their electric car and every time they go by a gas station which gas here is now over $5 a gallon.
5: Oh.
2: And and they are they're saying, "You know what a smart person I am to make that decision even though electric cars are not perfect yet. They're a lot better off than uh than what people are paying for gas. And so it's going to, and you're right, it's going to be a matter of economics. It's going to make dollars and cents and people are going to figure out long term, what's going to be in their best interest to, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I can, I can see the future where mobile or shell is going to be the natural company. The one that is, you know, is, is energy the natural way because they're going to find that it's cheaper to do it that way. And it's better publicity. Yeah, what I want to, to see is
3: uh having like we've got all this ocean, salt water. Like how can we start using desalinization techniques at scale to be able to power? Like there's these are the challenges that we face. Like for example, lithium ion batteries, that's it's not sustainable in the long run. We we have an issue with the materials and their sourcing and then what happens at the end of the use. If there's issues with EV cars, but rather than being paralyzed by it and say, well I'm not going to invest in this now because you know, I don't know the outcome of it, it still is a step in the right direction. And you're also signifying to society and to these corporations that you want to see change. If you continue to be on this path of, you know, guzzling gas, then we're really not going to be able to see a lot of momentum happen until we're forced to. But I also want to recognize that there's a lot of people that are just struggling right now to put food on their tables, that they don't have the time to even look at what's a more sustainable option for them and so we have to be able to meet people where they're at and start creating opportunities for them where they are at and and accept that this is not something that we can just radically transform because a lot of people don't have that kind of luxury that we do
2: you are we just amazing. Go ahead, Rob.
5: No, I was going to say, we have to just start changing our way of thinking. And as far as getting back to what Kevin said about, well, somebody will, you know, someday, when our government starts thinking about people again, rather than businesses, I don't even know why lobbyists are even allowed to exist. Why, you know, it, it makes no sense. But at the same point, like you said, it is, we've got to start thinking through things rather than just what's the quickest answer how cheap can i get it done okay and how much money can i make off of it
2: well you know there are so many things that we have evolved over time that and you're talking about the lobbyists which is a, a great uh, a case in point because and you're also talking about elections and elections cost money and lobbyists have money to give to politicians and and so forth so you know we've got a lot of work to do before we can honestly say when you're walking down the street and you say hi how are you what's your philosophy of life and somebody says we are all one and we are gonna work together to make our planet a better place and everybody's saying the same thing and we're all getting in the same big-ass canoe excuse the expression and and paddling in the right direction and uh, but that's what it's going to take. And uh, but like I, I was talking to uh, Lex last week, which is why she's here today and will be here more because you're so you're so intelligent of what you're talking about. It's it's great to it's great to see. But uh, we were talking about uh, oh crap, I lost my train of thought there for a second. So anyway, Rob, I'm having a senior moment. Do you have a question?
5: Yeah, well, you know, just what I said, and this comes back to what I do a lot with with spirituality. And some of this is what I tell people is you got to slow down. We got to stop. We got to think. We got to take a look. Everything doesn't have to happen. We have We have been so programmed by society and what work should look like, what work should be that what I'm hearing you say is we have to stop and start slowing down and unravel this whole system because we got to take a look at it because actually, when we speak of lobbyists, the people we elect are supposed to be there not to lobby for a business, but to lobby for me, to lobby for you. There's, we put them there, you know? So some of this is we've got to take a look at all things aren't working. They're not, you know, some of our systems we designed back 1776, they don't work. They weren't designed for this society, not saying I love my country and I'm a proud American, you know, but America, you know, but at the same point, you know, Ford ain't making cars the same way they did when he, when Henry Ford started it. We have to take a look at what's going on and what's happening and start looking at long-term effects, what's going on.
2: And that is, that is why it's so important for the work that you are doing, by the way, if somebody wants to find out more about biomimicry, how do they do that?
3: Oh, you know, I love that question, Kevin. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There is first, I just got to say, this is, It's such a hopeful conversation because even we can talk about some serious things, but it comes back to what are we going to do about it and how can we both do it in a realistic timeframe so that we're not so overwhelmed. And that's what brings me hope about biomimicry community is because it touches every industry. There's so many amazing people doing the work right now that it's not just on one person's shoulders. And so if you go to biomimicry.org, there's a global network there. And if there's not already a group that has started near you, you can start a group and work to educate each other. And if you're curious about like, what, how do I even get started with this? Or that maybe I want to share this with my family. After COVID, we realized that people couldn't go outside. And so we created a campaign called 30 Days of Reconnection. And it's you could do it with your 80-year-old grandmother to your 8-year-old daughter. Like there's activities that are like tapping into the senses and reconnecting with the earth and so that's also on our site. Um I I love going to asknature.org. It's another, it's a basically it's a living database of biological strategies. So if you're curious of how does nature communicate or collaborate, you can go to this site and start looking at thousands of strategies that we're curating that nature has solved efficiently. And so there's, I think for anyone wanting to get started, I, what I hesitate to put out there is that it's, it doesn't have to be so daunting, you don't have to be a scientist, you don't have to be a biologist, you don't have to know all of these intricate things from the academic world to go and put your feet in the grass and feel what it's like to be alive and so if we can start from that place, a place of humility and groundedness and that interconnection, then hopefully that is that day that we can come up and that inclination when you see people to smile and to see them as where, whatever they may be coming from in that place and their, their, you know, world, we're all going through something right now. It's incredibly overwhelming. There's burnout is rampant. And so the best thing that I can encourage everyone to do is slow down, find a natural space to just be for a little bit and see if that can bring you some peace. So then maybe you're coming back to being inspired to do something about it in your world. And if you live,
2: go go ahead, ahead.
5: Kevin, I'm sorry.
2: No, I was just going to say, and if you live where uh, Reverend Rob lives, you have to be careful where that space is, or you might get eaten. Now here, (laughs) we've He's in Florida. Uh, But up, up here, I encourage everybody to go into the woods and to just very quietly put your hands on a great big Douglas fir. You will feel the energy emanating from that source, and you will then know that that is alive and needs to be protected And all of humanity needs to understand that all of nature, we are part of it. You're right. We're all part of nature. We're just animals that that got a bigger brain. So, Rob, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
5: No, that's okay. And I was going to say, I'm funneling right along with that, with the whole energy thing, with, with frequency, vibration, or whatnot. It is sad that a lot of times when people talk to me, one of the main questions is, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Is this all life has to offer? No. No, I have this thing called bangerang. Bangerang. Think about it. What you put your intentions on is what you come back. So if you're not happy, I I think what's unfortunate, you do you walk down the street. People aren't smiling. They're not and when you start going, "Hey, what's up?" you know, to total strangers, you better watch out. Butterfly net man might be coming along with science because people are going to think you're crazy. It 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 is. We have to get back to understanding the way we're living is not the way God, Spirit, Gaia, Mother Earth, however you deem it. Uncle Charlie. Yeah, there you go. Intended. <laughs> that we, we're not. Bob. We're not supposed to be living this way.
2: Exactly. Uh, by the way, we've been t- <laughs> Sorry about that. I can't help myself. We were talking with Lexa More. She is from biomimicry biomimic oh, crap. Biomimicry. Um, Easy and, for you to say. Uh, boy, no kidding. And uh, <laughs> and uh, go go to biomimic what's your website?
3: Biomimicry. Thank you. Bio being life, mimicry being imitation, biomimicry.org.
2: And, which really just
3: means that we are asking nature again, let's simplify it. We're just asking nature what to do.
2: And Lex, we've just got about four minutes left in the show. So I want to give you lots of opportunity to be able to tell our audience, those that are listening now and those that will, then when I turn this into a podcast on positive talk, um, that they can take a value from you.
3: Oh, thank you. I, I firmly believe that nature is our best classroom. It is what I would hope and my mission is my personal mission through my work at the Biomimicry Institute is I would like to invite people to find their way home, whatever that means to them. And as someone who has struggled from depression and anxiety and knows what it feels like when it's hard enough to get out of bed, I see you, I understand, and if you can find your way to a natural space and just be there for a little bit, that's enough. You are enough. Yes, we have grand challenges that we need to tackle, and we need to come together to collaborate to make a better impact on the world, but don't worry about that yet. If you're struggling and you're in that place, start where you are and know that it's acceptable to be feeling all the things that you're feeling right now. It's a really hard time. Everyone is going through something. And another part of nature is knowing that just like you are a natural being other humans are too and if you can find support groups and other people to connect with and talk to about these challenges and just be real humans like kevin and rob and i have just been like talking as real humans without any scripts or anything present here like it's it will change your life if you're able to just connect back to your own source whatever that means accept where you're at so that you know that that's just your starting place And we have a lot of tools that we like to work with um, through the website, through Ask Nature, so many places to get started. But the best first place is just to go outside and sit there for a little bit. And they say after you sit in a place for at least 20 minutes and you're very, very quiet and still The organisms there are going to get back to how they were functioning before a human came stomping along. And you can see magic in those areas of what happens when birds interact with each other and knowing that you have a role to play in this world, but also everything's going to be all right because the world will go on. So you get to decide where you want to insert yourself and choose compassion and self-love and accept that doubts and fear can be paralyzing and so find your way out of that find your people and come home to the natural world
2: and lex omori from the biomimicry institute gets the last word take care of yourselves take care of each other be kind to one another because each other's all we got we'll see you on friday
5: The views expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of KKNW, its management or other advertisers. Contests are the responsibility of the hosts of this program and not KKNW. This is Alternative Talk 1150 AM KKNW Seattle and KNUC 98.9 HD3 Seattle.
0: Time now for a quick look at our afternoon commute as we approach 5 o'clock. Well, Southbound I-5 through Seattle still having a tough time right now from Green Lake to I-90 and then approaching South Center to about South 200th, slowing south in State Route 18 of the five area. Northbound I-5 slow around the Tacoma Dome and from uh, just north of the Green Lake